0: The new. How you doing, Dave? You doing good? I'm doing great. Awesome. While they're finishing up there, I'm going to read you a translation from 1 Corinthians thirteen four through eight. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything. Doesn't your flesh sometimes you hear this and you're like, seriously? (laughs) Puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going on to the end, love never dies. Love that translation. I have no idea what translation that is. (laughs) But I read it and I thought, I really like that translation. Uh, Love, if you walk in love, if you act in love, if you live your life out of the love of God, it'll change your whole life. It'll change every relationship, It'll change your perspective, including your relationship, especially your relationship with God himself. If that relationship is changed, well, the others will just uh, kind of fall in line. Most important thing is that you understand that you are loved with that kind of love, that that kind of love is directed towards you from the mightiest force, mightiest being in the universe from God himself. In other words, when you understand that God himself has chosen As an act of his own free will to direct his love towards you, this changes everything. It changes your perspective. You don't have to try to live up to what mama and daddy's expectations of you were or are. You don't have to try to live up to what your friend's expectations were or are. You don't have to try to live up to anybody's expectations except for God himself. Actually, uh, the word of God tells us it's unwise to compare yourselves among yourselves. You really, our measuring stick is Jesus Christ. Well, none of us could live up to the life of Christ without the life of Christ. In other words, we can try and try and be very disciplined and be very diligent, but you'll still mess it up. But if you actually enter into the life of God by faith in Jesus Christ, then the very life of Jesus Christ will be your invigorating source of power and ability and overcoming and deliverance. So that then you can actually overcome. You can, you know, run through a troop and jump over a wall. When the anointing of God comes upon you to live and to serve and to have your being, that anointing actually will remove burdens and destroy yokes. And there's some things that will only be changed through the anointing. There's some things that no matter how hard you work, no matter how disciplined you are, if you don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you're a waste in your energy. You're a waste in your effort. We are a three-part being. We've been talking about it the last few weeks. We're going to continue this week on the new, probably finish on the new. But, uh, you know, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Well, sometimes in order to study these, like, you know, we kind of break them up like that. Even Paul talks about them like that. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless. Well, he didn't say, I just pray your whole spirit be preserved, blameless. God's interested in your soul and your body not just your spirit. And the reality is, as long as you're here in the earth, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but as long as you're here in the earth, uh, you're kind of a three-part being, and you have a flesh that is uh, unrenewed. And a mind, if you haven't renewed it, your mind is unrenewed. And so you are affected by your emotions, and you are affected by your thoughts, Now, what happens? Well, you can have an emotion. uh, I feel frustrated. Well, if you have adequately renewed your mind and you're going to live your life based on that renewed mind, well, then you'll overcome the feeling, that emotional feeling. Well, the opposite is true as well. If you have a renewed mind and you believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know what, you start meditating on that, you start chewing on that, you allow that to get a hold of you on the inside, all of a sudden, that will affect your emotions. So now instead of your emotions being there and saying, okay, uh, today's gonna be a sad day, you might as well just give up, uh, You know, because before you even get out of bed, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a sad day. Instead of that, what happens is, because your mind is renewed and you grab hold of something God is saying to you, Now, all of a sudden, your emotions are affected. Instead of your emotions affecting you, you're affecting your emotions. So God never designed for us to just be tossed and turned and pushed and locked up by uh, the forces that are in the world that are trying to uh, destroy mankind. He designed man, mankind, to have dominion to rule and to reign in the realm of life, that we're not to be dominated by the world system that is under the influence of Satan himself, that we're not to be dominated by this, the ways of man apart from God, but we're to be dominated by the ways of man infused by God, and we have the greatest example, Jesus Christ himself that he was a man, holy, filled, and flooded with God himself. He was God in contact with flesh, with, uh, like Romans says, with sinful flesh. He came in the body of sinful flesh or death-doomed flesh, but he was not um, born of the seed of man, but of the seed of God, so that he could actually dominate what had for generations and generations and generations dominated God's creation, mankind, and that was not his will. That that flesh nature, the fallen flesh nature would dominate a man, that is not God's desire. That is not God's will. So I don't know what you're going through, what you're facing, what those that you are close to are going through or what they're facing, but whatever it is, Jesus is the answer. Jesus made a way, but it doesn't happen automatically. As an act of our will, as a decision, we have to choose to believe God and to accept Jesus Christ and all that he offers, all that he brings to the table. So you don't have to live life trying to fit in and trying to belong based on what you see in your body or based on what other people tell you or based on your feelings But the best life, the ultimate life, the good life, the abundant life, actually comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because as soon as you find out who he is, that is the building block and the foundation and the beginning of finding out who you are. Because who you are is not your body. And who you are is not your feelings. And who you are are not the thoughts of the world or the pigeonhole the world would try to put you in. Like, well, you're from this background, you're from this culture, you're from this country, so this is what, you know, this is kind of the cap on your life. You might could go to here, but that's as high as you can go. No, if you go with God, the sky is the limit. In fact, Jesus himself came and he destroyed the limits. He didn't say, like, I'm raising the bar. He just removed the bar. And so when we live our life through him and by him and for him, well, then the, 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 the cap is off. Sky's the limit. Well, whatever you can think or come up with or imagine, oh, exceedingly, abundantly above all those things. So if you take a minute and you think about your life, God had planned for your life before you were even born He has a specific purpose in mind for you and for me, for each and every person that's alive on the earth. The problem is a lot of people don't realize it and don't know it, and so they go through. uh, It's like walking through a minefield with blindfolds on. Some people get destroyed in the process. They trip. They fall. Other people try to help them. Other blind people try to help them. Say, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that. Jesus is the only way. See, mankind strives for dominion and for dominance. So uh, that's why we make so many rules and regulations and try to come up with man's way to accomplish this. You know, the world system tries to make mankind become righteous, but it's a futile effort. You know, I'm talking non-Christian, secular. all, All of the laws, all of the rules, these are trying to curb the fleshly, unrenewed instincts of humans the weaknesses of humans you know have you ever been um you know went to bible school at Rama, and at Rama uh they have a few rules and uh pastor hagan who set up the school uh for his dad was uh in the military and so he brought some of that military uh training and rules and regulations to bear at Rama. and uh but nonetheless you're there and uh We worked there for a little while, and so if you're there for a while, you see different classes of students every year come through and those type of things. And then you find out that the reason that extra rules are added is because uh, we didn't know that somebody could do that. (laughs) So some people may are the reason, like you could say, I remember somebody said, you know, I'm the reason they made that rule. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. Uh, So the reason is because you're trying to curb behavior right? You're kind of like, this is not the correct behavior. I I figured most people would understand this, but apparently it needs to be written down. (laughs) And so, um, mankind, so I'm not saying you don't need them. I mean, obviously you need them. There's the 10 commandments. And so, um, praise the Lord. So, mankind tries to, through rules, regulations, laws, standards, set up this way that people can live like in a civil society. In other words, how can people live right? I mean, righteousness living is just living right. But man will never live right by man's standards. Man's standards are, 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 are so low compared to God's that you might not even mention them. In other words, what we're trying, we figured all this stuff out and we analyzed this and we, we put it through a thousand focus groups and, you know, a hundred countries and this is what we found out. Well, that, isn't that real interesting? Uh, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So instead of us trying to just uh, blaze a trail in our own power or blaze a trail because of all of the wonderful um, attributes that God has created humans with, how about we just connect with the creator? It's like you know, what is that? There's a song that talks about the violin in the hands of the master. You know, like uh, this, this was like, it talks about an old violin. I shouldn't talk about it because I don't know the name of the song, but it's okay. Uh, it's an old song, and I'm not going to sing it. <clears throat> but it's talking about uh, uh, somebody found this old violin that looked like all messed up, and the strings are broken. And then uh, they're like, oh, that's just not worth anything. That's not worth anything, and this guy picks it up. And he tightens those strings, and he begins to play the most beautiful music that you have ever heard. And the song is called The Touch of the Master's Hand. Because the master touched that, all of a sudden it began to sing with music. It began to play. So if we let the master touch us, I think you would just be laughing and rejoicing and dancing all the time because you would be like... <laughs> I am not able to do this. This is so far beyond me. This is so far beyond my ability. Sometimes when we are uh, smart, that's our biggest problem. That's why I love Paul when he said, I have determined among men. What does that mean? What? Among mankind (laughs) to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why is that? Well, because as soon as you know something... uh, in other words, well, well, I already know that. Well, you have just shut yourself off. You're not going to listen even to the Lord himself. Well, yeah, yeah, I already know that. I know everything about grace. I know everything about faith. I know everything about healing. I know everything about prosperity. I know everything about relationships. I am a counselor. You know, I have a, uh, I'm have a psychologist and a psychiatrist and a, I don't know all the, the, the you know. You guys ever hear of uh, Dr. Pippin? He used to uh, come to Brother Hagin's meetings. And uh, he is a funny guy and uh, he's going on to be with the Lord now But he was talking about when uh, he first got filled with the Spirit because he had all these degrees and he said, you know uh, People look at the letters behind my name and they think those are the first first words I spoke in other tongues a b b b d d a a b b d d He's like those are not my first words in other tongues uh, A B B B D D. Anyhow, sorry. I just thought about it. it. was funny. He's a pretty funny guy but um I totally lost my train of thought when I did that. But you can have all of the uh, initials that you've always dreamed of behind your name, and those can be something that help you or those can be something that hinder you. Or you can have no initials behind your name, and that can be something that helps you or that can be something that hinders you. Paul said, you know, I had A, A, B, B, D, D, whatever, you know, I mean, the the amount of uh, knowledge he had of the word of God before he received God uh, puts most of us to shame. Yet he said, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I count that as dung, worthless, like stinky, nasty excrement. I'm trying to come up with words besides my wife's Minnesota word. (laughs) We're talking about the new, and we're talking about making a change in your life. And so just ask yourself or think about it for a second. Next year in April, or next year at this time, Do you want things to be exactly like they are today, or do you want things to change? Are you going to be at the same place spiritually? Are you going to be at the same place naturally? Are you going to be at the same place in your relationships? Like, I certainly hope that my relationship with my wife is better next year than it is now. Because now, (laughs) it's wonderful, and I just want to build upon it. I'm just trying to... You know, if you make people laugh, then they kind of receive better. I want to see if I get, uh, what do you call it, smacked down by my wife. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yes, I do too. I remember Brother Aiden talking about, he said when I, you know, they've been married for 50 years at the point he was saying this. He said, you know, I thought when I married my wife, I just, I couldn't love her anymore. I, I mean, everything I am loves her. I couldn't go beyond that at all. And he said, now I look back at what I thought 50 years ago. And he said, it's like I hadn't even hardly begun. But you know our relationship with the Lord should be that way. That we look back, you know, and we don't ever lose the joy of our salvation. But we actually build upon that relationship day by day. That we appreciate the Lord more and more every day. And if you don't, that's because you're not getting acquainted with him. You're not aware of what he's doing. You're not acknowledging uh, his activity in your life or his place in your life. So are you going to be in the same place next year at this time? You know, I, I uh, started this series because uh, Pastor Mark told me I was going to start this series. <laughs> so I said, oh, yes, sir. You know, he's my, my pastor, Pastor Mark Hankins. And so he is coming here actually uh, July 22nd of uh, the summer, I guess. July 22nd on Sunday. So mark your calendars. But um, at any rate, you know, he kind of said it as a, as a joke. But I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach on the new, the new. And so at the beginning of the year, um, there are pastors, and so um, some of our pastors, and so um, Pastor Trina was praying, and she got the word, the new. And so, uh, you know, kind of at the beginning of the year, normally, uh, they'll pray and seek the Lord about what the word of the Lord is for the new year. And so this year's word was the new, from Isaiah forty three eighteen and 19. Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know? Excuse me, do you not perceive and know it and will you not give heed to it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Message translation says, "Forget about what's happened." Man, that is a that is a word from the Lord. <laughs> Forget about what's happened. Stop getting stuck on your mistakes or your failures or the slowness of the process. Don't let that hinder you and hold you back. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. You know, if you ever think about, you've ever driven on a road with ruts, and you keep, like, driving on through those ruts, you get on that road, and, boy, if you don't pay close attention, that that vehicle will slip into those ruts and then you're in the ruts until you can find a place to get out. You know, unless you have like an amazing four-wheel drive something. But even sometimes if the ruts are deep enough, you're in the ruts. So you either got to go way ahead or way back in order to get out of those ruts. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. In other words, you got to pay attention. You don't want to miss out on it. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. I want to go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. We'll read verse 7 through 15. But what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In other words, like what we were saying, It's not the righteousness which is of the law that you have all of these rules and then uh, you're able to let those rules curb you and keep you and do all those type of things. Uh, We're not against the rules, by the way. Although sometimes there's way too much red tape. I was in the military, let me tell you. (laughs) But the best example I have of this is my own daughter. She gave me an illustration. Uh, Bless her. And so we... I uh, like to go to the beach at Hilton Head. Uh, we try to go once a year, and so we went, and down on there, it's, it's an island in South uh, Carolina. And uh, on that island, they have all these bike trails, and you can ride your bicycles in the sand, And, uh, you know, being from living in Michigan for a while, northern Indiana, from northern Indiana, I think, like, when somebody told me that, I got stationed in Augusta, Georgia, not too far from there when I was in the military, and they said they'd ride the bikes on the beach, and I thought, that sounds like no fun whatsoever, because the sand where I was from was, like, sandy, you know, it wasn't hard, but if you go down there to Hilton Head, it's like, um, almost like pavement. And so it's really smooth, and you can ride. And then when the tide goes out, you have all the space to ride. You ride around the water and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. But they also have these trails, and uh, they're pretty wide trails. And then the trails cross some roads, and you know it's made for that. And people try to be careful, but uh, still, uh, the first year we went, we went there. My daughter was uh, probably about eight years old, and so uh, we had I would ride in the front of all the kids. We have four kids, and then Melody would ride in the back. when especially when we crossed uh over roads and so but my daughter kept racing on ahead and she get ahead and I'm helping one of the other younger ones because at that point then you know Joel our youngest was probably like four years old or he was riding with Melody but then uh, Danny was five years old and so just trying to keep up with all the kids and she kept getting ahead kept getting ahead and I said Evie you, you know you cannot ride in front it's not safe uh, Daddy's going to be in the front. And then Melody would say the same thing to her. And she oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she'd, she'd go to the back. But then, like, before you know it, 30 seconds later, 60 seconds later, she's in the front. Evie. And she felt bad about it legitimately in her heart. She was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I don't know why I keep doing it. I don't know why I keep doing it. So after this happened about three times, I said, okay. I, I said, pull over. Everybody pull over. And so I stopped and I talked to her and I said, Evie, I said, you have to change your heart. I said, until you change what's in your heart about this, that you like want to honor mom and dad and that you want to listen to what we're saying, but if you, you just, you just want to keep this desire, I got to be in the front, want to be in the front, want to be in the front. I said, you're going to keep messing up and messing up and messing up and you're going to get sad all the time and you're going to be like, I'm a failure and I can't do this. But if you change your heart, then what will happen is you will automatically fall in line. And she said, okay, daddy, and she changed her heart. And what happened? She immediately fell in line. And she had no trouble not going in front for like another 20 minutes or so. (laughs) And then I just had to remind her, and she, oh, okay, and she did it. So in other words, just because you changed your heart doesn't mean your flesh isn't still there, right? And you're not still gonna have to deal with your flesh. But what I'm saying is, uh, you don't really have to focus on uh, okay, I'm not supposed to be in front. Okay, I'm not supposed to be in front. I'm not gonna be in front, I'm not gonna be in front. Oh, I'm so sorry, I got in front, I got in front. I'm not supposed to be in front, I'm not, supposed be in front. I'm not supposed to be in front. What is gonna happen? You're gonna focus on the thing you're trying not to do, and you're actually gonna go that direction. You're gonna like move in that direction. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm doing it again. I can't believe I'm doing it again. Yeah. But when you make a heart adjustment, rather than just from your head saying, I'm gonna be disciplined. No, this year I'm going to be disciplined. Now I'm going to get up early and read the Bible and pray. Now I'm going to do this. Do you know what happens? When the word of God becomes like honey to your mouth, and it becomes more precious than any amount of money, than any amount of prestige, like the psalmist said in Psalm 119, then it is not a problem to get up and read the word. It is not a problem to pull out the word at lunch, and chew on the word and feed your spirit a little bit after you've fed your flesh. Because it comes automatically. And Jesus said all of the law and all of the prophets are fulfilled in this one thing, love God and love people. Well, how are you going to do that? You're not going to do it out of your head, I'll I'll, I'll guarantee you. if you try to do it out of your head, uh, you're gonna love me if I perform well. Yeah. In other words, uh, did pastor talk to me? Did pastor say how nice my new hairstyle was? Uh, talking for Eddie there. Did the pastor say like this or that or whatever, you know? And um, or your coworkers, or your boss, or your spouse. And the problem that creates is I'll pick on. Uh, our relationship. So the problem that creates is I'm then waiting for her to do an act of love and then I'll respond with an act of love. But then the more she doesn't do an act of love, which probably never happens with her, (laughs) then the more I'm like, well, if she's going to treat me that way, I'm not going to talk to her. I'll just wait till she acts in love because I am so righteous she is so fleshly. (laughs) But Jesus said, you know, the publican was like, oh, you know, I give a tenth of everything. I give a tenth of the dirt on my property. I give a tenth of the ants on my property. I give a tenth of this and a tenth of that. And the publican said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, if you're born again, you're not a sinner. You're a saint, and you might occasionally sin. But the point that Jesus was trying to make was that one person came to God by his works and his mercy, the works of God and the mercies of God, and the other came, which you could say is by the blood, and the other came by their personal works and by, you know, how specific and intricate that they were. It was One was all about God and the other was all about man. And, you know, he loved us first that we could love him back. So Philippians, uh, we'll continue here, verse 9. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not Now listen to this. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend That for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm gonna grab hold of the thing that I was apprehended of in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna read you a couple translations here in a minute, and it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Forget those things behind, forget them. Stop thinking about them. Stop talking about them. Stop rehearsing them. And reach for those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, and that just means mature, be thus minded. And if anything, in anything you be otherwise minded, I love that, God will reveal this unto you. So if you think in other sort of ways and you actually uh, go to the Lord, he'll he'll tell you it's this way. (laughs) Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of God in Christ Jesus. Goodspeed translation says, not that I have already reached perfection, but I am pressing on to see if I can capture it because I have been captured by Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this. This is my favorite translation of this. Johnson's translation says, And this is my desire. And though I have not experienced Christ as completely as I can describe my vision of this life's fulfillment, I keep on pursuing the vision so that I will eventually experience Christ as completely as he has experienced me. Let me read that again. And this is my desire. And though I have not experienced Christ as completely as I can describe, my vision of this life's fulfillment, keep on pursuing the vision. I keep on pursuing the vision so that I will eventually experience Christ as completely as Christ has experienced me. Do you know what that means? Well, I don't know the full depth of that, I'll tell you right now, but if you want to chew on that, that means that he was tempted in every point, just like you and I have been tempted in every point. He was subject to like passions just like you and just like me. In other words, he experienced the depth of your sin the depth of your sickness, the depth of your depression, the depth of your mental problems, the depth of your relationship problems. He experienced it fully. Actually, the Bible says he took it on himself and he lifted it off of us. So he's saying, I haven't experienced everything of Christ, but I know as the ability that God has to touch every point of my weakness, of my failure, of who I am, of my successes, every point that he has experienced, I want to experience him in every point. I want to experience all of the goodness, all of the glory, all of the grace, all of the anointing, all of the vision, all of the revelation. I want to experience it all. That's why I love that translation. I will eventually experience Christ as completely as he has experienced me. Praise the Lord. Hudson translation says, I do not mean that I have already achieved my purpose or attained perfection. If you achieve your purpose in life and obtain perfection, uh, you better watch out. I'm pressing forward to see if I can seize it. It was to bring me to achieve this aim that I was seized by Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those things which are before. We're talking about making a change in your life, that you'll look back next year at where you were at this point this year, and you'll be amazed, and you'll be thrilled, and you'll say, my God is good. You'll look at your life, and you'll say, grace, grace, grace. Grace that is greater than all I could do. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace that is greater than all of my ability. Swan translation says, but with me, everything is shaped by one purpose. Talking about making a change and making a decision. So forgetting things of the past and stretching myself forward to the things that lie ahead along a visible goal line that reaches the prize of God's call above. And then Wood translation, my favorite translation of this one is Wood. says, my one thought is, like some runner for whom it is fatal to look back. Maybe because I like running. If you've ever been in a race and you, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I know about me. And so, like, I'm in a race. I want to see, like, how close is the next competitor? Like, like, in other words, can I lay back a little bit? Or do I really need to expend all of this energy? That's if you're not racing against your own time or someone else's time, if you're just racing against the people in the race. But man, if you take, you think, oh, I can just look back. It's not a big deal. Dude, you just lost that race because you chose to look back. And he's saying, like a runner who refuses to look back but press forward to reach for the prize, that's how we're to live our life. We all have things in our past that we would prefer not to have in our past. But boy, if you've received the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus Christ, that past does not even exist. He has annihilated your past. It, is, it exists in the realm of the temporary, the realm of the here and now, and the devil will try to, that's where he dominates. That's where he has access until his lease runs out unless you do things in Christ. You know, as soon as you act in Christ, you just superseded the authority that the devil has because Jesus came into the earth realm and got victory over all of his works, the devil's works, all the things that he did. And he dominated him, and he actually took the keys from him. Keys represent authority. They represent access. He took all of that away from him. He utterly defeated him. The most utter defeat that you could possibly get, he defeated him. But if you're going to try to live by the world system, the world's way under their dominion and trying to impress the world, well, you're going to be a frustrated individual. Or you're going to be very, if you're just completely worldly, not even born again, you're going to like step up the ladder, step up the ladder, step up the ladder, but you're always going to be looking back because somebody is trying to knock you off the ladder because they want to step on you to get ahead. But when your source of life and your source of hope and your source of living is Jesus Christ and him crucified, well, man, if he could be crucified, his flesh could be crucified, you could certainly crucify your flesh. And then if you crucify your flesh, if you say it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me, then you you qualify to partake of the resurrection life. Acquainted with his death, You know, in other words, how do you come to God? By faith. How do you receive the grace of salvation? By faith. We access grace by faith. What is faith? Well, faith is believing God, trusting God, and acting on it from your heart. And by its very definition, that means that you have to release your own abilities and turn away from your own abilities, turn away from self-confidence, turn away from the things and the prestige and the, 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 the ways of the world and the thoughts of the world and the things of the world as your source, and you turn to Jesus Christ as your source. The second you do that, you enter the realm of God, and then you can have the possibilities of God. But even if you have begun that way, and then you turned away from Christ, doesn't mean like, well, oh, I reject Christ, just saying like, well, he's not my source anymore. Now, now I'm kind of looking over here. They said this, and Google said this, and uh, uh, you know Facebook said this, and You know, my psychology professor said this, so it must be like this. Or if you got like something attacking your body, well, uh, uh, this blog said this, this blog said this, my doctor said this. Understand what we're saying. You just do something in your heart and the rest will follow through. So we're not against doctors. But basically, we're against anything that goes contrary to the word of God. Sometimes a doctor's advice will go contrary to the word of God. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes the world will tap into a law that God has put in place, and all of a sudden things will start to work. So it doesn't mean everything of the world is in it of itself bad, but it is the source. Where is the source? Where is your heart? And if you have your heart right, all these other things will fall in place, and you'll follow by the right way. Verse um, 13 But with me, everything is shaped by one purpose. So, forgetting the things of the past and stretching myself forward to the things that lie ahead, along a visible line that reaches the prize of God's call above. And then, verse fourteen: I turn. My, this is Johnson translation. I turn my back on the past and focus on my one clear objective: the fulfillment of my calling by God through Jesus Christ. Verse fifteen. Every mature person should identify this same goal as the central purpose of his or her life. In the process, God will help you discover your conflicting motivations. I'm going to read that again because it's so good. Every mature person, verse 15, should identify the same goal as the central purpose of his or her life. In the process, God will help you discover your conflicting motivations. You know, it's kind of funny, but the reality is sometimes our motivations, we're not even fully aware of why we have the motivations we have. God is our measuring stick, and if you want to have his best life, you ask him to evaluate you. You ask his opinion. And the really good thing about that is, man, nobody can love you like Jesus loves you. Nobody can talk to you the way Jesus talks to you. Full acceptance, full faith. Full love, full hope that there's no despair when he talks to you, that there's no fear when he talks to you. And so uh, let him look and see, because in my own life, I have noticed that uh, a lot of times I'll think, oh yeah, that's a, I'm not perfect, but that area is going okay. But if I asked the Lord about it, uh, he said, you might check up on that area. And I said, really? I could really say, like, these three areas, but you're saying that area? <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, how dare a man talk to God that way, right? You know, Not really. That's how he set it up. Look at Abraham. Abraham's like, you're a righteous God. Why would you, you know, get rid of the righteous with the wicked? You know? he's like, And he's like, Lord, Lord, uh. Uh I know you're the creator of all things, and uh you know maybe it's not my place to say this, but uh that's really not like you. <laughs> you know that's not really really you know our relationship with the Lord in prayer really should be more like a conversation yeah. 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 you say, lord, I was thinking here's what I was thinking, I think we're gonna do this and this and this and he said like and where did you come up with that <laughs> and you say well i I guess I guess I should have asked you, huh? I guess maybe I should have talked to you. Or, well, if you're honest, well, my friend told told me that. I heard my friend say that. He said, really? In other words, you should have uh, a tangible relationship with the Lord. He wants that with you. And the only reason you don't is because you haven't made yourself available to it and you haven't acted on what the word says concerning it. If you do, right there. How's that? Well, it's not, most of the time it's not like um, you hear my voice, but it's inward witness, a knowing on the inside, uh, promptings, urgings, nudges, and all of a sudden, you know, You'll begin to realize this is what the Lord is saying to me, and um, you know, the Lord can be quite funny. Like we're all serious. I'm talking to God, and He's like, "Chill out." <laughs> I we have fun up here, and that is not fun. C.S. Lewis said, "God takes some of His care, uh, care, takes care of serious business in an atmosphere of joy." Joy and rejoicing. So if you've actually connected with the Lord, you're going to have a lot of joy. You're going to be happy. You're not going to be like, I have just met with God himself. What did you just do? No, you experience him and you want everyone else to experience that kind of unconditional love, unlimited life. And, you know, you get your actual purpose. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is full of life, full of power, that by it, by receiving it, our lives can be transformed and our lives can be changed. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray if there's anyone under the sound of my voice right now that doesn't <clears throat> know Jesus Christ, your son, as their Lord and Savior, That they would receive Him, that they would open themselves to Him and receive fullness of life and reality of life. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning or you're listening and you don't know Jesus Christ, I am not talking about joining a religion. I am not even talking about conversion. I am talking about a relationship. I am talking about a life. And that relationship and that life will result in you being converted. And will result in changes in your life. But I'm talking about something and really someone coming to live on the inside of you. And your life will never be the same. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. If you'd like to. Or if you're online, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is more to life than living for yourself. There is more to life than living for what the world calls success. You don't have to be dominated by your feelings. You don't have to be confused by your feelings. Jesus felt every feeling that you are feeling and everything that you're going through. And he dominated those so that you wouldn't have to live under the oppression and under the control of those things. But He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. If that's you, I want you to pray with me and then email us at info at anchordc.org. Just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe that He is your Son, that you raised Him from the dead on the third day. And I take Him now as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you now that I am born again. That I am brand new. That all of my sins are canceled and removed. That I am now part of your family in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer with us, I want you to email us info@anchordc.org. We want to pray for you, answer some questions if you have them and send you some materials thank you so much for coming this morning. I'm going to speak a blessing over you, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power that is in your word, for the life that is in your word. Father, we thank you that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that we don't have to be dominated by the world, that we don't have to be dominated by bad habits, that we don't have to be dominated by, or pigeonholed, or stuck in what people would think about us, or people would say about us, but that by the blood of jesus that we are risen above all of that and that we rise in new life in christ we thank you for blessing us and keeping us making your face to shine upon us granting us peace and freedom and liberty in christ and by your spirit in jesus name